a.k.a. responsible, proper, social distance shit-talking from spare bedrooms across exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jerry. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. We will challenge your assumptions and ours too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear on this podcast or anywhere else for that matter until you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words... Duck, duck, go that shit. Episode 81, inching close to the magic 100, which I'm sure we're going to do some type of special extravaganza episode, right? COVID permitting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I'll be vaccinated. Oh, there, there's a good bet. What will happen first? Show 100 or, or vaccination? Vaccination. Oh, well. Mm, that's an over-under. Jeff is like thinking, he's like, he's trying to do the math in his head, like... 40 weeks. Yeah, I'm not quite 65. I think 65 is the category, but then pre-existing conditions. Jerry, you got the heart thing. I got the heart thing. We could we could qualify. One time, I really don't want to be first in line or, <laughs> or close to first in line, but hey, I, you know what? I'll, I'll do it just to spite people that don't think it's real. Yeah. The, anyway, episode 81 is the legendary, <laughs> legendary Calvin Johnson's number. Happy now, Don? Does he, yeah. does he does he qualify as legendary? Megatron? Yes. And it's your average golf score for 14 holes. And 14 beers. <laughs> I, I don't know who Calvin Johnson is. Can't be that legendary. Race Jeff, car driver? You, you are off to a very Jeff start. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew that. That's why you put that in there. You knew that would be, huh? Actually, I didn't, but I, I, we should have. Yeah. <laughs> we don't try with very common sports and pop culture things to play Stump the Jeff. Yeah, we don't go out of our way no. to dig deep. No, this is not a $1,000 Jeopardy question. No, this no. This would be like a 200 one. Yeah, and I failed. But that's all right. It's not my thing. Not a big fan of sports ball. You don't delve into the, the mindless world of pop culture like us maroons. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. So upcoming in episode 81 today, or at least we're going to try... Uh, the Southern Baptists are still trying to decide how much of a sin racism is. And yeah, heroes don't last long in the social media era, I found out this week. And have you had enough of the Georgia Senate races yet? Well, just imagine if you lived here. We even have a Godless Heathens weather report. It's a Category 5 shitstorm, Jeff. Back to you in the spare bedroom for which alcoholic beverages we're numbing our senses with today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm already I'm already halfway in. <laughs> that was not quite the reaction <laughs> that, I, that I expected. So what you have in there, Jeff? So what I'm drinking is I, I went to my favorite uh, beverage store today into their stash inside the cooler where they have all these single cans. Hops, grain, and vine. And vine? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And so I found um, what I'm having first is from Old Nation Brewing. I think you've had some stuff from here, Jerry, from uh, Williamson, Michigan. There. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Little dinky town near Jackson, I think, somewhere in there. Um, and this is a Boss Tweed Double India IPA. Who knows what hmm. who Boss Tweed is? Everybody in the South. I thought he was from uh, New York. Boss Tweed. Oh, who's the guy on... Uh, You're thinking Boss Hog. Oh, Boss Hog. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only had one sip. What's my excuse? <laughs> Maybe I'm not as attuned to pop culture or politics. <laughs> hey, so I got one on you there. I know the name Boss Tweed, but I can't tell you a thing about him. I don't know what all the facts on it, but he was like a big, big uh, political machine guy from the Democratic Party in New York. So anyway, Boss Tweed uh, is a 9.3-er, so hmm. it's quite good. And I heard you say first, as in... I got a backup plan. That is the prequel. Yeah, this is a two-beer night. And what's coming up afterwards? Go ahead and get that one in. This one is called Hops for the Divine. Hops for the Divine from the Hops, Grain, and Vine. That means I'm God. This is for Magnanimous, uh, Magnanimous, I can't even say it, yeah. Brewing Company. Uh, maybe in... you should just stick with the one. <laughs> oh, hell no. This is in uh, Tampa, Florida. What's the ABV on that one? I think that's like an eight. Yeah, eight, three. So it took you all of two weeks and one episode to disavow your, your pledge earlier of nothing under a 10. Well, this is close. Close. <laughs> Down. Dad, he doesn't listen to his own podcast. <laughs> yeah, you said just last episode, nothing under a 10. Yeah, but see, I'm having two of them, so the total... <laughs> so it's a 16. <laughs> yes, so there you go. Okay. Right, do the math. This is not a math podcast. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> no correct math. I'm drinking a collab from New Belgium. It's a beer blogger here in Atlanta, Ale Sharpton. Oh, that's pretty clever oh, there. Oh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah, it's called Piano Keys. It is an imperial stout with chocolate and vanilla. It is a tall boy. It is 10%. And I'm going to have to do the required three Jeff three sips, sips to comment on it. Yeah, because you said chocolate in an IPA? No, no, no sorry. Did, did I say IPA? It's imperial stout. Oh, okay. I, well, maybe I heard it wrong, but okay. Well, that makes more sense. But it is, uh, it is light. For a 10 percenter. Hmm, that's good. I'm sure I will manage, though. Hmm. And Don, what are you... And Don, uh, which red blend are you <laughs> drinking today? Actually, not a red blend. Dang it. Not too long ago... I want to say not too long ago. I had a Chianti, and I got another one. Actually, the same one. I got another bottle of the same one. I really liked it. And you're not here to correct my Italian. Oh, but I am. Cavallari Oro. Close enough. Okay. Gabbiano... Chianti from 2018, and it is from Italy, and it's it's very good. I really like this one a lot. Now, Chiantis are still red, though, right? Yes, it, yeah, it's yeah. a darker, it, it's one of the darker reds. Yeah. Is it dry, or is it uh, sweet? It's it's more dry than it would be sweet, yeah, absolutely. So do us a solid and rate and review this podcast, and talk to us on Twitter at Godless Podcast, or talk to us on Twitter at Godless Podcast about how no one listens to our podcast. So even if you're a troll... <laughs> And you get into political arguments with Jimmy, the social media intern. I was going to tell Jimmy he should respond to that guy and tell him dozens of people have a disagreement with you on this case, sir. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, if you want to spar about politics and basically tell the world how much of a leftist and liberal you are and how Joe Biden is the next coming of the devil, 
then please talk to us uh, at Godless Podcast or our, air quotes, private Facebook group. Long, uncomfortable pause. (laughs) (laughs) Although I think there was a a snotty comment in the Facebook group this week as well. Maybe, Maybe people are just, maybe just people are kind of pissy. Or... You could go, if you go to talk to us on Parler, you're not really talking to us. You're just giving all your data to the Mercer yeah. family who really, the devil doesn't exist. But if it, they did, they would be the Mercer family. If there is a Godless Heathens uh, Parler account, it is a bot. Let me just say that now. It is fake. It is somebody pretending to be us. And how lame would you have to be to pretend to be us? Mic drop. How late in the morning do you have to get up? <laughs> to pretend to be us. Or drop us an email at godlessheathensyahoo.com. And I forget the emailer who kindly suggested that I get a, a mic screen. So I have a mic screen now. So I should sound semi-professional now. Another uncomfortable pause. <laughs> Nobody agrees. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just shocked that you want action? You write to the godless heathens. We get things done. Quickly. A listener writes in and says, hey, get a spit screen, guy. And what happens? Boom. Amazon. Get it Get it done. <laughs> get it done. And, and now Jerry sounds like velvet. I thought we had Seth Andrews on the show this week. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we are not going to have, we are, we, are, we are not going to talk COVID parties. No. We did invite the subject of the last show on the pod and they respectfully back. declined. So that issue is now dead to us. So we never have to talk about COVID again, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe not so much. We will see. So we'll see. who wants to wade into the Category 5 shitstorm? Because it's been a hell of a couple of weeks. It's been a hell of a couple of days here in Georgia. Yeah, we're kind of the center of the universe right now. Yeah, all eyes are upon our two empty Senate seats. And it's like the... Let me use a Jerry word, the agita that everybody was feeling over the coming election. No matter which side you were on, if the other side won, it was doom and destruction going forward from that point. But that whole attention has been now turned to those two Senate seats here in Georgia that are going to sway one way or the other the makeup of the Senate. Well, and the other thing that kind of adds to this is, you know, when we last recorded two weeks ago, I didn't think that Trump's strategy, if you call it that, was really going to last this long. I thought after all the losses in, um, you know, the courts that he went to in the various states, that he would have just kind of quieted down, grinned and bared it, and made plans to run in 24, you know, 2024. But no, it's ramped up to a dangerous lather. Yeah, you you actually watched the 46-minute video, all 46 minutes, correct? I I did. (laughs) Did you really? 46 (laughs) minutes, I will never get back. You actually sat through the entire (laughs) 46-minute rambling of... And paid attention to it. It wasn't just like on in the background while you were doing other things. Well, I would say from, you know, I was also looking at Twitter in the meantime, so it wasn't 100% focused because, I mean, it's the same shit over and over, you know, the same Dominion thing, the mail-in votes are illegitimate, guy that, that... uh, was a contractor for the Postal Service. But the thing is, you can sit there and you can say anything you want. 
And same thing with Rudy. I mean, Rudy can go out and, and, and stand on a street corner or in front of a landscape company and say anything he wants. But when he's, once he goes into court, he can't do that. You can't lie. There, there's Right. You, you can in the things that he's doing. You there's know, consequences doing, right. to lying in court You know, as, as a lawyer. So he can't do that. So the only only place that they can get away with this is when they're talking to the public or to the press. Well, or, or doing these, uh, these fake hearings from state to state. You know, like they had one in... in uh, Atlanta today with Rudy. Yeah, I mean, the thing that that was really interesting that the Trump thing was yesterday, right? I mean, you know, things are blending together, so I'm losing total track of time because it's just that level five shitstorm. But I know for sure it was after Gabriel Sterling, and I forget what his title is with the um, Secretary of State. He works under Ratzenberger, the Secretary of State for Georgia. He basically oversees the election process. Yeah, Ratzenberger is Cliffy. On Cheers, Raffensburger. I'm sorry. Ra- yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I put a T in there? Ratzenberger? Yeah. It's Raffen. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, it, no. Isn't that the Cardinal? That's the Cardinal. Ratzenberger. Pope. Yeah. Pope. Let's well, not the forget. former Pope. The former Pope. You're not, You're always a Pope. Well, he's you? still a Pope. He's a Pope yeah. Emeritus or whatever they call it. Emeritus. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, are you sure it was only one boss tweet? <laughs> He's the only ever living former pope because hmm. all other former popes were dead. Right. True. Right. But so um, Gabriel got boosted to fame all over the place for doing a press conference rant on the violence that's been stirred up because of these false the accusations. What's that? The threats of violence. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And intimidation and all that kind of stuff. I mean, well, you he, know. Was, he was talking about Secretary of State has people driving by his house. Uh, his wife is getting sexualized threats on her phone. Just a twenty-something-year-old employee of the voting machine company, I think it was, is is getting death threats and had a noose hanging outside of his his apartment or his home. Right. That was a trigger for him to come out and and do the rant and basically telling Trump to you know stop it. So. The night following that is when Trump went out and just 46 minutes of yeah. the shitstorm. And and so that, you know, just tells you that things aren't going to change. Well, and then Trump is wait, coming Wait, wait, to- wait, 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 wait. What? what? Did you actually, I feel like we say this every, every podcast. Did you actually think things were going to change? Not hope and wish they would change. Did you actually believe things were going to change? I understood what, and we talked about this, I think, in the last podcast, the lost cause mythology, mm-hmm. that that's what he's trying to create. I mean, and yeah, I mean, you can do that, build up that question about whether Biden has been, you know, rightly elected and all that kind of stuff, and then you can you can taper off. I mean, you can, you can set the stage, but he's like doubling down, doubling down. You know, every day it gets worse. We Wait a have, minute. That's, that's what he all does. he's ever done. Right. That's all he yeah. ever does. That, that's his M.O. I think you're giving him way too much credit, well, to be and it's, honest. It's, it's I think not, he's just doing anything and everything he can possibly do to stay in power, to stay out of jail. Right. But here's the other thing that I, and again, I, I had this, I, I don't know if I'd call it hope, but kind of a dream that you would have more Republican leadership stepping up to say, hey, this needs to stop. You lost. And if we are to retain the Senate and have any kind of a party going forward, just knock it the fuck off. But that's not happened. Mitch McConnell's been silent. The VP, Pence, has been silent. Most everybody in the Senate has not just been silent. A lot of them are 
going along with this shit show. Yeah, a lot of them are actively participating, like like our two senators. And that's the thing. I thought, well, certainly because you have these two running to retain dominance in the Senate, it would make sense politically to kind of back off a little bit because now... No, you know, no, 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 no. Why? What? You don't. You don't know that. You are thinking of it in a sane political calculus and in party terms. What's best for the party, not necessarily what's best for him or what's best for the nation. That doesn't even enter in, in his equations. No. But what I'm saying is, is so now you have some of his. Uh, what's it? Sidney Powell and then Lynn, Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood, who they're already turning against. Have you seen this? You didn't know that Lynn Wood is is he's liberal, man. He's he's a liberal plant. He's what? in there on, to messing it up on purpose. You been on Parlor, Don? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally, I saw that. I don't even know what it is. It, it's a, when I'm at work and I open a new browser, it automatically opens up. I want to say it, it might be an MSN or I, like I don't know. Some thing? sort of a news site. Mm-hmm. That was one of the stories that was on there. I noticed because I recognized him because uh, he had the, the, the Trump hat on. And, oh, that's the crazy Atlanta lawyer that was talking bullshit in Alpharetta just, what, last week or this week. Yeah, and just yesterday. they've yeah. already turned on him. He hasn't always been this raving lunatic. He got Richard Jewell off. Yeah. We don't have to go too deep in, into that, but... He what Richard Jewell was a hundred percent innocent. Yeah, but he was convicted in the court of public opinion way by before. big time news organizations. Oh yeah, and Lynn Wood got him off. And on the level of hero lawyers, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. That's why they made a movie out of it. Even though Clint Eastwood took so many liberties, it kind of went off the rails, like kind of like Lynn Wood has. So when you hear him and crazier person, Sidney Powell, say not to vote. That's what got him in trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it didn't get I mean, get him in trouble with whom? Well, that's that's what I just pulled up a thing here. Trump campaign burns pro-Trump attorney telling voters not to that's, vote. So that's, that's noise, though. Yeah. When you see Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell do that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be Anna Marie Cox, but I mean it. How does it make you feel? Does it make you go like, yeah, you know what? Now where they're eating their own. Is that what you think when uh, when you hear Lynn Wood say don't vote? That it's crooked and rigged and Sidney Powell says it's crooked and rigged and don't and don't vote on January 5th here? But that is what's happened when um, the RNC chair came to Marietta. I'm drawing a blank on her name. Ronna Romney. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of people in the audience that were saying, why should we vote, you know, if it's rigged? And she was trying to back out of that. So they've kind of created that environment. The Frankenstein monster has got out of the castle and right. they can't control it anymore. Right. But you haven't answered my question. What What was your question? How do you react or how do you feel when you hear crazy Republicans tell other Republicans not to vote? Well, that's what I'm saying, is they've carried this thing. I'm still not answering it. I'm going to make you answer it. How (laughs) How does does it make make you feel when you see that as a partisan Democrat? Good. Does it, Don? When when they have this grand plan to write Donald Trump in as the Senate candidate in Georgia, y'all have all seen that as well, too. That's their alternative plan is, hey, let's all write in Donald Trump in this runoff election for for Senate. If we're going to vote, we're going to sabotage it by doing dumb stuff like that. 
But the fact that you can't write in a candidate in a runoff election, only the two candidates that are up for the election are eligible to be voted on. You can write in a candidate in a general election, but you can't do that in a runoff. So that actually backfires because that gets them out to vote. And then they show up and they go, what, I can't write Donald Trump? Then, okay, Purdue Lawler, go home, get a beer. But if they're telling him, hey, stay at home, it's rigged. Fuck them. I don't care. They can stay at home. If they're dumb enough to believe Lynn Wood, then stay at home. Don't vote. It's rigged. Right. And so, you know, the part of me kind of applauds that thing, too, hoping that is going to be the, what, what happens. But the other part of me kind of makes me think that could backfire on our side, too, thinking that, look, they're eating their own. They're not going to vote. We don't have to be out. We don't have to keep pushing to get everybody out that we can. Hey, we ate our own when the Bernie bros stayed at home and didn't vote for Hillary, and we ended up with the orange menace to begin with. It goes back and forth. Let them eat our own for a month Yeah, or two but I'm whatever. just saying that, you know, on our side, yes, interesting to kind of watch the shit show, but don't let that be the thing that lets your guard down. It's which rat will push the other rat out of the way to jump from the sinking ship. And I'm enjoying the shit show, actually, a little bit. Well, the part I'm not liking about it, though, is is we see this is all part of the long-term Republican goal to basically you know, unravel the democracy. And so what's going to be the result next year, probably in the Georgia capital, is Republicans are going to want to have ways to Well, since people are afraid to vote, we need to really clamp down. We need to have mail-in votes. You have to go in person to register and with your drivers. You know, so they're going to change things so it's going to further suppress the vote. That's the backlash that I see. What they'll do is, and I don't want to say this to give them ideas, not that, you know, Republican strategists listen to the godless heathens. All Republicans, turn off the podcast now. (laughs) Fast forward 30 seconds at least. They should implement a lot of the rules that a lot of the other states have when it comes to mail-in ballots, because that's where a lot of the Democrat ballots are coming in from. And that whole thing where you have to you have to put the in the envelope, you got to lick the envelope, you can't use a sponge, and then you got to sign the envelope, but you got to sign it left-handed. You know, and all those other fucking stupid hoops that you got to jump through in some states. It's just like anything else; they can't stop it, so they just regulate it out. It's it's like abortion clinics. You got to have 12 foot hallways and you got to have admitting clearance uh, or admitting privileges for the doctor and all the rest of this stuff. You can't just come out and say, don't do that. We're going to stop you from doing this. Right. Death by a thousand regulations. And something that, that I just read in the paper today that is kind of along that lines is Cobb County is reducing the early voting places from, I think they had 11 or 12 down to five. Now, they're saying it's because of um, election worker fatigue. They're having a hard time, you know, finding more volunteers. I think a lot of it is just expected numbers. Runoff elections historically, although this is this, this yeah. is not your average runoff election. Okay? That's <laughs> um, what I'm saying. There's a lot more riding on, on this one than, than your, your mm-hmm. average runoff election. But normally runoff elections have a lot lower turnout than, oh, certainly. than, than yeah. general but, elections. But... I believe this one may be the outlier uh, on on the chart. And that and that doesn't seem super insidious because it's not going to be a long ballot. Right. You know, right. It, you know there's going to be a couple Senate races, maybe a boom, couple boom. of local things, right. you know, but that's it. No, so, I don't think there's any local there. stuff on there. I think it's just these two. That's all I Yeah, so so reducing that is probably not super insidious. But yeah. the reason well, no. I was kind of harping on the you know, how it, how you felt about it is 
I definitely was kind of gleeful, you know, kind of kind of rubbing my hands in front of the you know in front of the TV. It's like yes, you know, like like Mr. Burns, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like they are eating their own. But the dark side of that, and this is ultimately one of the worst things about this extended undemocratic campaign to overturn the election is that nothing's ever going to be fair and that they're poisoning the well, you know, in some ways permanently with a certain class of people. And that never ends well. And as much as I would like to think that it will help the Democratic candidates win, even if it does, you know, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to leave a scar. We have not really grappled with the idea that every election now is going to be like this. Yeah. That simply is not sustainable. I mean, it's ju- it's just not. I mean, either a lot of healing needs to take place in the next four years or, yeah, it's just going to be this all over again. I- I'm, not e- I'm not even sure what that healing would look like. I didn't when I said it. <laughs> 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 sounded good, but yeah, I had you- no idea what, what that in- envisioned. Yeah, you um, sounded kind of, dare I say, old-fashioned hate- presidential. Hopeful, yeah. But it's, yeah. like I said, you're going to have, best case scenario, you're going to, or worst case scenario, I guess, I don't know. A scenario would be that you have an obstructionist Senate that just can't get anything done. Just can't get anything moved. That's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. that's, that's that's the plan that's to get the totally presidency gonna back. Well, it's going to happen unless we get two senators with a D next to their name in. It may happen even if we do. Not every Democratic senator is yep. like what you would consider a Democrat. When you get back to eating their own and nobody eats their own like the Democrats. So no, ma- no matter what they do, l- let's say worst, best case scenario, Warnock and Ossoff get in. And it, so it's 50-50 and, and Kamala gets the deciding vote. So we basically control the Senate as well, too. Still, you, you put the House puts forth a bill. It goes over to the Senate. It's going to be too progressive, not progressive enough. And you're going to have that fight within, within our own, seems like. Yeah, for sure. But I'm more worried about if you have this many people that are kind of dead enders without hope and they don't have anything else to lose. Isn't that really when kind of the violence starts to crank up? Not to go super dark, but the, these these situations, you know, to your point, Don, healing healing it's not there's not healing it's more submission and look as a partisan democrat totally would want the other side to heal totally to submit and not to punish them but there are definitely things that i think all three of us believe need to get done and soon like climate change for example that's a threat it's somehow it's still being argued but yeah. You know, at some point, if, science if science something's isn't in, not Jerry. done fast, pardon me? Science isn't in, Jerry. <laughs> okay, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see your science and raise you another science. <laughs> Watching crazy people do press conferences on national TV and watch 24-hour news networks kind of cover it with a, wow, this sure is crazy, Let's put it on for another two hours and let's have panel discussions about it for the rest of the day. That's not exactly turning the, the gas down on the stove. 
Here's the other thing that, that I think where there is no longer a Republican Party anymore, it's the, the Trump Party, is they are so dependent on that Trump base. And it is a Trump base. Those are the people that go out and have the huge Trump flags flying off the back of the car or the don't tread on me signs on the back of the car or the Confederate flags on the back of the car. That is the base that everybody in the Republican Party is scared shitless about. That's why Loeffler and Purdue are playing this dangerous game because they know they cannot win without that Trump base. Trump is going to go away, but that they have is to align be, themselves with Trump. They have to, right? And you know, I would call it a you know white Christian nationalist base, but you know, some may disagree. But would you? I certainly would. But that's a whole other podcast, probably. But you cannot put that monster back in the box. That's who the Republican Party is right now, and it's a religion. There was another podcast, the uh, the White Christian Jesus podcast, I think it's called. Straight White American Jesus. There you go. Thank you very much. Where they brought up a point that I, I kind of knew in the back of my head, but I never put to the front of my head, is there's never been a president that has had a flag. Have you ever seen a... Obama flag? Right. Or a Clinton flag or a Bush George, you know, George W. flag. Actually, I was thinking about that when I went to vote. I saw a, a couple of rednecks driving around in a truck with a with like a rebel flag and a Trump flag flying yeah. from the back of it. I was thinking, I don't have a Biden flag. And then I started thinking, you know, I, I could Maybe hang a Biden get flag from my car when I go to vote. I've never even seen a Biden flag. Why not? You I don't know? know where you would get one. <laughs> where would you get a Biden flag at? But yeah, I mean, that's, that's my point. Is there something unusual about what's going on? The Republican Party has to submit to these voters from here on out. I don't see them going back into the box. I don't I, you know, I don't see that base shifting to a different kind of demographic. You don't? Mm. You, you don't see them morphing into something else eventually? Like what? Where'd the Tea Party go? What did they morph into? Well, this is the, the Tea Party 2.0. Exactly. So, so what is this going to morph into? We're just going to call it something else after he's gone. I don't know. They got the flags now, though. I don't know. The Republicans haven't haven't acquiesced to the crazy. It's not like there's a good Republican Party and they made a deal with the devil. So they became it. Like when you hear about, you know, quote, good Republicans or the traditional Republican. Right. Like, yeah, like they're dead. That party, Reagan Republicans and country club Republicans. and Yeah. Small government, physically conservative. Right. Where'd that Republican go? In, they're in the scrap heap of history. Good point here is, so we think about the country club Republicans. That was uh, this Gabriel uh, Sterling we were just talking about and the Raffensperger. They voted for Trump not once, but twice. So they seem like reasonable people, yet they want more of what they had in the last four years. That was my internet hero crashing and burning when I went, literally, from, from one day when Gabriel got up and gave that impassioned speech at the, uh, at the state house about this needs to stop and, Mr. President, you need to stop the rhetoric and blah, 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 all the rest of this stuff. And I was oh, like... Oh, like, like, big bipartisan... Yeah. You know, maybe not even bipartisan. The MSNBC... Oh, they you know, had them. They, oh, they couldn't be happier. We found the principled Republican. I didn't even realize he was Republican. I saw yeah. the clip. Still, the best part of any clip from the Georgia State House is, is the sign language guy standing off to the side. He's I the love best. that guy. He's, yeah. He is the best sign language guy, period, in the world. But it... 
that's a rabbit hole. But anyway, I, I watched that speech. I did not know who he was other than this guy is in charge of elections and he works for our Secretary of State. And I didn't know what his political affiliation was. I just knew that he was speaking truth to power and, and saying yep. that this has gone far enough. This needs to stop. And then that lasted all of a good 18 hours until the next morning when I saw that he kind of backpedaled, not backpedaled on the, on the, on the threats of violence and that stuff, but backpedaled where he was saying that basically all this rhetoric and all this stuff started with Stacey Abrams. And it's basically the Democrats. Fault. Well, the other, the other thing is he gave, and, and this was on NPR, it was an NPR uh, podcast. We could probably put a link to it in there. And kudos to them for asking that question. They kind of pushed him on Loeffler and Purdue. Is they're kind of part of this thing too, aren't they? Oh, I didn't know about that. Hmm? I didn't know about that. So they they asked him, uh, well, what do you have to say about the two senators that seem to be walking, you know, right? Do, stepping yeah. right along lines, right? With, going with along with, with with Trump, and well, you know, he's kind of no, no, not 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 going along with not going along with Trump, but specifically. Going along with Purdue and Loeffler. Right, right. And Don, I'm glad you're sitting down because your brief internet hero basically says, oh, I have problems with them, but I'm still voting for them. Well, not just that. He gave him an excuse. He said, you know, well, you know, they have the Trump base that they have to kind of, uh, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, I mean, kind of walk the line. So he gave them a buy. It's like bullshit they do. They're part of it. They're the ones that are ramping it up. When they said, you know, for Raffensperger to resign, that's ramping it up. That's when he started getting the uh, the Trump parade going around his house. I just want to say for the record, Jerry, you killed my hero that morning uh, when I found that out. But you just threw a shovel of dirt on his grave with <laughs> with that last comment. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear me tap dancing on it? But look, I watched it and it was hard not to kind of nod your head in agreement. By the way, everything that he talked about was 100% wrong. Right. You know, the oh, violence, yeah, absolutely. the threats, all of that is... Finally, and that's why he was a hero, somebody said it. Somebody said, this has gone too far and it has to stop. And, and he was addressing Trump directly. Now. Yeah, he was talking mic. directly to the president of the United States. Right. At a, at a live mic on TV. Pissed off. Not like a whisper to a reporter off no. the record. Sources yeah. say somebody close to the senator said like it was straight up. Podium full of mics. This yeah. is wrong. Yeah, and my name I'm, is such and such, and I am so and so, and this is what I have to say. And I make sure the cameras are rolling. <laughs> I mean, like I said, he had a sign language interpreter standing next to him. <laughs> yeah, this was, yeah, this was not you know on the slide. This was right out in the open, and he talked, like I said, directly to yeah, which was the good. That this is afternoon. This and is it was, actually my. It was a breath of fresh air to finally hear anybody. And, huh. and, and this is and this is a slam on the Democrats as much as the Republicans. Anybody to come out and say this? I don't see the Democrats coming out and saying what he was saying either. Well, I, mean, we're, I don't we're, know about that. We're, we're condemning Maybe. the Republicans for not stepping up and saying I'm not seeing I'm not seeing them calling this what it is a attempt at a coup. The thing is, there's not as many live press conferences with Democrats saying that. That is dog bites man. When a Republican comes out. Right. And yeah, that's basically word. scolds other Republicans, especially the president. That is absolutely man bites dog. And it's way more interesting yeah, to right, right. media organizations. And he was a hero. And people probably changed their Facebook and, and Twitter images to him. And the <laughs> next day, 
not even the next day, like like 18 hours later, and it was all downhill from there. But I'm saying that he's probably, unless you happened upon that NPR interview, you probably Which I still... Did. I'm going to go look right, for it. Right, right. But I mean, you're probably still thinking he's, he's the hero, and you're not seeing that, no, this is a guy that thinks Democrats are evil. He would never vote for a Democrat in a million years, no matter what. He's fine with Trump for another four years. He voted for Trump. So there's all kinds of things that should tell you that, that no, there there is no traditional Republican. Yes, there is. They are the traditional Republican oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they, they have changed. Yeah. But let's not, and this is my, this would be my favorite part uh, of the podcast, because I get to shit on NPR, which, which deserves it and more. Usually because they do. Yeah. NPR sucks. This, you, and we'll, we'll put the transcript in. It's a good interview. But right at the end, after he says he's going to vote for the people that are throwing gas on the fire that threaten his employees, which from a boss standpoint, don't tell me how much you support these people, yet you're going to vote for the people that are helping threaten the people that you just emoted about right. that did not deserve this, but I'm still going to vote for you. I'm going to condemn you live on TV, but I'm still going to vote for you. Absolutely. So the fact that that wasn't called out as a mixed message is BS. But how the interview ended, he said, and I quote, this started in 2018 when Stacey Abrams said, I'm not conceding. He is blaming Stacey Abrams for what Dotard is doing now. And he is he is equating them as equal and giving Dotard and the Republicans a pass because if mean old Stacey Abrams didn't start it, this never would have happened. And what does NPR do when that when he says that? Which by the way deserves way more time than they gave it in this interview. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me quote Republican Gabriel Sterling manages Georgia's voting system implementation. Thanks for speaking with us today. <sighs> and the end. Who knows if any of that's true? Well, we're not here to decide. Yeah. Ugh, I need to I need to take a sip of water because <laughs> it's giving me agita. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That that point there at the end, yeah, where it just kind of that was where it ended is and, and, and look, it's not exactly a secret that the guy that won the governorship here oversaw his own election. Right, right, right. No mention of Stacey Abrams in 2018 and her not conceding should, should go without the verbal asterisk of, well, really the guy that won the election shouldn't have been the guy that was overseeing his own election. And how yeah. many tens of thousands of people, if not more, did he disenfranchise and kick off the rolls? So maybe Stacey Abrams had a point, but we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to thank this guy because, huh, shrug emoji, what can we do? We're only a news organization. I wonder how many lawsuits there would be in the different states right now if Joe Biden was the person who oversaw the presidential election of 2020. Like that was his job, <laughs> was to oversee the election. It, it would have been... The, it would be the, the exact same scenario as what we had with our governor race in 2018. It would have been a thousand times worse. They would have been whining about this since August. Oh, yeah. There, there would be riots at the polls because they would they would have, have worked these folks into such a froth that it's all so unfair. Joe Biden won't recuse himself because the fix is in. Totally. Know? 
Well, and the other thing with Stacy is she never claimed that the voting was rigged, that the voting machines were flipping votes, that any of that kind of stuff. It was about voter suppression. She never made claims without facts to back them up. Right. It was about voter suppression, which yeah. is a reality. Oh, no, no, no. You say it's a reality. NPR doesn't say it's a reality. Republicans certainly don't say it's a reality. And by well, the way, what does talk about another guy? He had a couple of more days of social media media heroism raffensperger oh yeah he was the he was the media's darling for a couple of days yeah and then what did he say oh we're gonna investigate stacy abrams fair fight group yep and or is it is it fair fight or fair vote i forget fair fight fair fight there's there's about five groups total that they are investigating i i actually read a fox news article about this and it was funny because of the five groups that Raffensperger says that he is in, uh, <laughs> Say going 10 to be times real fast. I know I butchered his name again. I, I've, I, this is a third iteration that I've come up with. The only one that the Fox News article talked about of the five was the one that Stacey Abrams was involved in, and Raphael Warnock was the overseer. I can't remember his actual title, but he was involved with them up until January of this year. The other four barely got a mention in, in like they mentioned all five in one sentence. And then the rest of the article was all about this one group that Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock were associated with. Yep. Do you hear that on NPR? No, but to me, it, it sounded like the same exact Hillary email FBI investigation story right before the 2016 election all over again. Oh, and the whole, can you imagine if the shoe was on the other foot type scenarios? It's been four years of it that Dotard will say something stupid or a senator will do something stupid and they'll say, if Obama would have done that, oh my God. If the shoe would have been on the other foot and you had a state government or a local government or the federal government using official power to investigate right-wing political groups, you wouldn't be able to sleep. The howling would be so loud. Oh, yeah. I mean, they made a fuss about the IRS investigating these groups for abusing their tax-exempt status. And they had a point, but the IRS backed down because of all the bitching. Raffensperger, I guess we should have saw it coming. Because Raffensperger did it first. And then his one of his top deputies goes out and is a hero for less than a day. Sorry, Don. A good 18 hours. Heroes ain't worth much these days, apparently. Especially online heroes. If, uh, for sure. But it doesn't get called out. They're already whining about mean tweets of potential yeah. cabinet members have put out there. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, they're starting to pay, pay a lot more attention to Twitter after four years of ignoring everything that was done from the Oval Office. I'm sorry, from the Oval Office crapper. Did did we solve that? I guess so. I could dump on NPR a little bit more. (laughs) Because they suck. Well, are they they the only ones that kind of got that out of him that yeah you're you're a trumper you're you're not just a you know republican a, a saint a saint republican yeah. you're you're part of the problem all right jeff you shame me good on them for getting that out that should be applauded wow you got jerry to say something nice about npr uh, i good job. feel so dirty <laughs> i feel so dirty i've just, my... just stand in the front yard and have your wife's hoses you down when you were done you know you'll feel better oh it's like 28 degrees outside, no thanks. But they did elicit that 
but they, they didn't go anywhere with it. For whatever reason, the outrage or the hypocrisy doesn't really get questioned. Like he said it, mm-hmm. and they just let it kind of sit there. Yeah, like a matzo ball. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. like let it sit there as opposed to, well, you went on this big old rant about safety, and these two people are throwing gas on it, and you're going to vote for them. A little bit of a mixed message, Mr. Sterling, wouldn't you say? Well, and you wonder, too. Okay, so this was a live interview. I'm kind of putting myself in their shoes. Is like I probably would have been stunned as well. Would that kind of mess with your head? It's like, oh, man. And so in in hindsight, they go all these woulda, shoulda, couldas. But at least they got that part where he admitted that, that he's he's a Trumper. Well, he can be a Trumper. But don't get all high and mighty about how all this stuff have to, has to stop. But the people that are making it worse, you're going to vote for them. You got to pick a side. When they went into this interview, I'm sure this is going to be one of those feel-good kind of story kind of things about this is a justice-seeking Republican. Right. And so yeah, they right. probably were shocked exactly. when they when they went there. Like, oh, my God. So you don't think their intent, that, that their intent was to, to basically gotcha. kind of ride, not gotcha, but like ride the wave of, hey, we found a, a, a Republican with integrity, and our audience is going to love this guy. And then by the end of it, he basically shows himself to just be just like all the rest of them. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is, you know, like CNN interviewed him. I'm sure MSNBC interviewed him. They never pushed there. They never went there. And I, I don't know if this was like an off-the-cuff kind of question that they tossed out there. You know, seat of the pants kind of thing. He just kind of offered it up. Well, no, they they had to they kind of push a little bit to kind of question him on that. But but yeah, then he just like put it all out there. Right, and it's not easy to be the host in a situation like that. Oh, well, I'm sure not. And yeah. you do have to be paying attention in order to figure out what was just said. Yeah, you're you know you're, you're kind of in a bad situation because you've got an obligation to your audience and to your guests at the same time. Yeah, it would have been really nice to have a couple of follow-ups there. Did they miss it or did they ignore it? Right. Yeah. Because, uh, I because mean, those are those are different. Or did they just make a conscious effort to let them off the hook? That would be the ignoring it part. And by the way, just for the record, it's 47 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> and the shit storm is still going on. Yeah, I, I don't want to get covered in shit. It's still a Category 5. It's, it's, it's blowing Wear your raincoats. Wear them. Get your umbrellas. You know, then from a, from a professional standpoint, then he missed it. Yeah. And I think it's worse to realize what you had and ignore it than those shows are so tightly formatted, particularly in the morning, that... He's probably like, I got 30 more seconds. And he might not have been paying as close attention as he should have. That certainly can happen. But there's also somebody in the control room that could go in your ear like, did you just hear what he said? Yeah. He's yeah. voting for them. And I'm sure part you know, part of it was he wanted to get his Republican cred back on the radar as well. Yeah, got to get, get a street cred back at the end of the interview. Right, yeah. What I'm a great a liberal... question that would be, Jeff. Huh? What a great question that would have been. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you are... That you are backtracking because you are you are a Republican and what you said could have harmed you within the party. Mm-hmm. You, you seem to be supporting the people that are engaging in the acts that you condemn. So which is it, sir? Can't have your cake and eat it both. Yeah, yeah. it's NPR, so they don't want anybody uncomfortable. 
Yeah, oh, at, no. least, at least of all, not, not Republicans, because they've got to be down the middle. There's no greater journalistic goal than to be down the middle. Gag. Centrist. Yeah, there is no there is no centrist anymore. Well, there is no there. There shouldn't be. And I, I, I promise I will keep this brief. There is the whole idea that that news coverage should be both sides is complete nonsense. That will be on a on another Godless Heathens podcast. Unfortunately, there will be multiple opportunities to discuss this oh, in the future. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because they're already starting to crack down. This kind of came and went very quickly, but there was a lot of MSM moaning that Biden wasn't completely forthcoming about the accident he had while playing with his dog. What? I have not even heard about this. I have he, not heard no about the accident, about but... Yeah. There, and I heard about the QAnon where they're trying to say that there's like a uh, bracelet tracker thing because he's under house arrest now. Who, Biden or the Biden. dog? Yeah, Jeff, because the Jeff, Q... Are you, the real, Q are, you on, are you secretly on Parler? Are no. you the Godless Heathens account on Parler? No, I can't remember. Do you run 4chan? 8chan. 8coon. 8chan. 8coon. I thought it was 16 by now. No, <laughs> thirty-two coons. They double every. So, every... It, so does it? Does it not concern you a little bit that you you immediately know what these lunatics are thinking about it? Just because the people I follow on Twitter retweeted something. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's ah, it. Amp amplification, you. baby. I'm not following the Q nuts. I'm just uh, right. That's what they all. Second hand. That's how it always starts. But it does. It does kind of make sense when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, man. And where yeah. we go one, where we go all, yeah. where, what, where we go, what is it? Where, where, where we, we go one, we go all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's I mean, the oath right there. That's the, that's the unity message that we've all been looking for. One America. Just want to feel like I belong. And we tell people one America, at the beginning of the podcast oh. to do your research. <laughs> do your research <laughs> before, do you it on... before you believe anything. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> But by the way, we don't have QAnon credibility because YouTube demonetized us a long time ago. That was only on one episode, though. So we're good. <laughs> Come on, Don. You don't have to. You don't have to add that fact. My bad. My this bad. is this is the bright. This is how Breitbart would say it. They would say that YouTube demonetized the godless heathens, and there's just enough truth. To put it out there. Oh, I would I would go one step further and say that the godless heathens were kicked off the. Go look to try and find an episode of the godless heathens on YouTube. You won't find it. We've been kicked off. We've been censored. They'll let Steve Bannon talk about hanging people, but you know, the godless heathens make a couple of cents with a with an ad. No, ma'am. No can do. Those people are dangerous. We teased it at the beginning. We haven't gotten to it yet. What's the deal with the Southern Baptist Convention? trying to get in front of this racism deal. And this is the second time, right? Yeah, they did this in 1995, and they're doing it again now. No, the critical race theory, I think, that was more recent. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, crit yeah, yeah. critical race theory, which I, I, I would venture to say that most man-on-the-street interview, you stop the average person on the street and ask them about critical race theory, they're going to have to Google it. By the way... I totally had to look it up. Yeah. I had I had to look it up because I really didn't know what it was. Yeah, I had heard bits and pieces, but yeah, you want to kind of find out for yourself. So you go to um, Parlor and... <laughs> Me, we. <laughs> if you're somebody that's, that's a, a progressive, you, you have heard this term at some point. I have heard it, 
But I really didn't know what it Didn't know what it was. Yeah. Nope. Same, very similar to like intersectionality. We'd have to look that one up too. But just the simple fact that a Christian denomination that was started so that Southern slave owners wouldn't have to feel guilty about owning slaves had to get in front of a theory about racism that says it's basically baked into the cake. Who didn't see that one coming? Why are they even arguing about, quote, critical race theory? Why is that the line for them to attempt to decide? I literally, I think this comes from their department of shit that's on the horizon that we need to take <laughs> notice of now. That's a long placard on the door. Exactly. But they're, they're trying to get in front of, because like I said, this is not a very well-known theory. It's, it's not commonly known among uh, amongst uh, folks but mm. the fact that all six of the you're gonna have to help me out on this one jeff the 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 six different heads of the different seminaries, seminaries or whatever it right. was that that all came together and put out a joint statement that critical race theory is goes directly against southern baptist statement of faith yeah, I mean, so first of all, because it was these seminaries that were doing the pushback. Okay. Because the the theory is something that is being discussed in different universities. So, you know, it, it's a, um, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll put the link in there to it, but it's, it's basically kind of talking about societal racism, not just individual racism, but systemic racism. Yeah, you don't have to have an individual racist the system is racist enough already. Right. Yeah. There's there's racist institutions. You know, like the it's, you know the penal system that we have in the United States. It's one of the main ingredients in the recipe. Right. It's it's cooked into the system. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying you know that this is going around in different universities. This discussion. It's a theory, but it's a discussion that's going on. Well, but you know what though, this does kind of show our filter bubbles. Because this does get discussed yes. on conservative media shows a lot. Like, they talk about it. You know, they talk Negatively. about critical a, race as theory. As a threat, yes. As a yeah, threat, absolutely. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. As a as a reason why, quote, left is wrong about everything. Right. They think everybody is everybody and everything is racist, especially you. But we don't hear at Fox News or OAN or whatever talk radio show they're listening First to. First Baptist Church. Yeah, so they talk about it a lot more than we do as a hammer to let them off the hook. Like, we don't think you're racist. We think you're a good, God-fearing American. Mm -hmm. The left thinks you're a a demon racist. So they talk about it, they talk about it more than we do, but they, they use it to hammer their point home. Right, what the right is all about, not just the Southern Baptist Church and evangelicals and Republicans, but I mean, they look at everything on the individual level. So if if you're racist, that's just you're either as a person a racist or not. There's no racism outside of the individual. They don't see systemic racism as a thing. And that's the point with the, uh, the Southern Baptist Church is their whole theology about race is it's a sin. That racism is a sin. Racism is a sin, an individual sin. So if you come to Jesus through their say the prayer kind of thing, that's how you are relieved of racism. So don't let these mean leftists tell you that you're racist. Yeah, that, that your whole church <laughs> is a racist church because no. Or that the Bible's racist. 
Right. Well, and that's the thing is that's the pushback from these seminaries too is that the only source of a sociological ideology is from the Bible. You cannot get it from secular sources. And critical race theory is coming from these universities that are secular. So it's got to be. Yeah, you've got old, poorly dressed, well-to-do Southern white men who are speaking about a theory hey, that hey, says Andy that Stanley. They, Andy Stanley wears nice skinny jeans. He's not poorly dressed. That's right. He's he snappy. Would, he would take offense to that. All right. Well, I'm, I'm not lumping him in with these guys. But but basically, you've got a theory that says you're part of the problem. And the part of the problem is saying, no, we're not, and, and trying to get in front, front of this whole thing before it becomes more widely accepted. You think that's it. what the theory says? Is there part of the problem? Yeah, it says that there's basically racism is cooked into the recipe of the education system, the government, any institution that's in control, religion, anything along those lines. There, there's racism built into it. And, and yeah, I would say that, I mean, absolutely, like Martin Luther King said, 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock on Sunday, most segregated hour of American society because we're in church. Doesn't that kind of cut both ways, though? Because there are not a lot of white people in black churches. No. And this is not to defend, definitely not to defend churches, but... Oh, it sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) Going to put that out on the social media or Twitter feed? The name of the episode is going to be Jerry Defends Churches. Yeah, so I can't, uh, (laughs) so put it on Facebook so I can't see it. Hey, you know what? You can say what you want because he'll never see this. I'm posting on Facebook right now. Jerry just got baptized. I think that... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've already been baptized. Yeah. But it was there in a Catholic go. church, so that doesn't count. And as um, no, it, it, they, they definitely don't count. count. Right. That, that we can go down a rabbit hole about that. When I was going to a Baptist church, and they kept telling me that I had to be baptized. You got to be dunked. And I, you got to be dunked. I kept telling them that it it says one baptism in the Bible, and if they if they show me where it says you have to be baptized Southern Baptist, not Catholic, I'll do a backflip directly into the baptismal. Otherwise. Oh. I'm good. God, I hope I want them to find it just to be able to. That'd be the most popular Godless Heathens tweet ever. Oh, absolutely. The, the video, um, you know, video of me doing a backflip into the baptismal. That'd be great. I don't think critical race theory is saying that they are racist. That is exactly what the people who are sensitive about it are saying. This is an academic concept, and yes. it's not like pointing fingers. I mean, look, it points fingers at the prison system and policing and, you know, um, economy and redlining. And there's probably some church and religion things in there as well. But does it go so far to say that therefore you are racist? Same thing. It's like it says, you don't have to have a racist person rejecting or approving applications in a government office if the system is already set up with racism built in. Yeah, I mean their pushback is not against that. I mean they're not they're they're not saying they're being called out. As I mentioned before, is number one that this is a secular theory. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that tosses it out of the mix. And it's right a there. leftist theory. It's it's a it's a progressive yes. left wing democratic Marxist. theory that has come out of secular education. So why is it democratic and left wing and all that? Why is that? Is it is it really? It because is. Or just because it's being discussed in a university and it's secular, therefore it is all these other things. 
No, it it originated from the people who were left leaning to begin with. The whole theory and the concept and everything originated from left of 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 the prism. Hmm. Okay. So basically, it's the fruit of the poison tree. Absolutely. Jeff posted a couple articles about this theory. There was an article in in the Christian Times about it, and I'll post that was a very good article. I'll post that article as well too. That was the exact same analogy that I had in my mind when I was reading the article. Well, and and the other article that I, you know, that we might post is from a local, uh, He, I think he stepped down. He used to be a Baptist uh, pastor at Johnson Ferry Baptist, Brian Wright. He stepped down? He's the guy that does those shitty little commercials on AM radio yeah, on right. Brian Wright. Right yeah, right from, from, the, from heart. the heart or straight right. from the heart, whatever it I was. I just turned yeah. that shit off for 30 seconds or whatever. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> I remember seeing this article in the AJC when it first came out, and that's kind of how he boiled it down, that it's just a sin nature. So basically, what we need to solve the race problem is, is more Jesus. If yeah. you would come to the church and you Just would... a half a cup of Jesus and racism will go away. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Jesus will solve that sin nature huh. in you. God, you know, you know what? No pun intended. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I, I didn't think the response of somebody like that would be that more Jesus would solve it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, more Jesus is always the answer, Jim. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Here's a little snippet from this AJC article. So, for Wright, pastor of the 7,000-plus member Johnson Ferry Baptist, the answer is quite simple. Man's sin nature. Hmm. So, there you go. Come to Jesus. You can't lay that on the feet of God, even though if you read the Bible, it could be read extre- from an extremely racist point of view. It's been used to espouse racist point of views. When your guidebook to your club is racist, it, it, like I said, it's cooked into the system. Yeah, I mean, the whole church was built on the idea of slavery. Yeah. And so I can't remember what year it was that they came out. Yeah, 1995, where they came out with a resolution on racial... Now, you're talking rec- about the Southern Baptist Convention. Southern, the whole yeah. denomination right. was built, was started directly attributable to slavery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now on kinda... the pro side, just to, just yes. just in case <laughs> right. some of you might have wandered off into the wilderness and didn't not catch the abolitionists. It's absolutely right. on the pro side of slavery. Yeah, it was a uh, a split from you know the full Baptist thing Baptist. where the Northern Baptists you know went another direction and these guys said no we're good with slavery. Yeah, that whole owning people thing. We're good with it. Well, I mean, Thumbs yeah. Up. So, so in this reconciliation thing, they tried to do some kind of a. We're sorry. Whoops. Same thing the Mormon Church did in the seventies when they kind of said that black people weren't paying a price for their sin by being black. Okay. So that how do they apologize more, or how do they apologize properly for that? Well, we'll post a link to that. I mean, where they have their resolution. Uh, it's got a bunch of whereases, so it sounds it sounds really good. Be, and then they go into the be it resolved, therefore. And that was the one that was released in 95? Yes. Uh-huh. When they basically came out and said that racism is a sin. Yeah, but the very last one, be it resolved, that we pledge our commitment to the Great Commission of making disciples of all people. So it's like, there you go. You know, when you come to Jesus, and this is all good. As long as you're down with our book club, you're cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's pretty bizarre. The, I don't know how you. Isn't the other big point about this is it basically is an excuse for them not to do anything about it? Because in the end, yep. they don't want to admit that redlining exists. 
yeah. or that disparities in governmental policies and money for schools exist or that cops kill and beat the crap out of black people more frequently and there's more black people in jails. I mean, right. et cetera, et cetera. If you're crapping all over critical race theory, you don't have to do anything about that. It basically, for them to avoid more uncomfortable conversations, isn't it? It's not our problem. In 1995, we said it was a sin and we're not about sin, so. But the interesting part of this, though, is this parallels the Republican Party with their individualistic or libertarian party also, the, you know, the individual responsibility. As long as you as an individual aren't racist, then racism doesn't exist. And, you know, like I say, that's who the whole Republican Party is, is, you know, I'm not a racist. They deny that they're part of a, a, a racist culture or, you know, that systemic racism does exist. So this feeds all the way up and down through the entire conservative side. Well, look, we're, we're not obviously <laughs> going to solve racism. What? Well, because, you know, a lot of people don't think it's a problem anyway. Right. Um, 74 million people so, in this country don't think it's a problem. You know, why, would we <laughs> wait, why would we waste our time? Well, that's all fake, Jeff. Uh, that's all fake. No, those numbers are real. It's the 80 million that's not real. 81 million now. 81, yeah. Keeps going up. Well, I think in two weeks we'll still be talking about the Senate races, unfortunately. We didn't even get into Doug Collins disparaging Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yeah, not now it's, it's it's gotten to the point where we're splitting hairs to where you're not the right kind of Christian. Yeah, and the other interesting part of that is when Amy Coney Barrett was under the gun. Oh, her religion was off limits. Right, exactly. You can't talk about that. That is personal. That is that is something that she holds dear to her heart. I and mean, that has nothing to do with jurisprudence. You cannot talk to her about that. Because... Warnock, oh, by all means, we need, to, we need to delve deep. That's because her religion is a white nationalist uh, religion. Yeah. And Warnock's is not. And his religion, not. they've already... I've already seen it. I saw an ad where they showed Raphael Warnock, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he was the pastor that Obama apparently was going to his church. The, the not... They're Jeremiah, not the God right. bless America, but the God, God damn, damn America. They've already oh, yeah. got him and Raphael Warnock together in a 30-second ad yeah. where yeah. they show Raphael Warnock preaching and then they show him preaching. Loeffler was at the MLK celebration at Ebenezer earlier this year. So she was at the church. That's evidently the bed of hell. Because yeah, she, she thought she needed it to uh, eventually get elected. Yeah, she was pandering. It seems like every presidential candidate that comes to Atlanta spends a Sunday morning at Ebenezer. Yeah. Now it's just Democratic candidates, but yeah. Well, that was a tradition with Isaacson, but he actually, you know, probably was a a reasonable Republican at the time. Relatively. Relatively, for sure. Yeah. I didn't hate on him like I hate these guys. So start signing checks. (laughs) Start making text phone banks. Going to be plenty of opportunity to knock on doors. Yeah, physically can't sit not. this one out. We're not. We're not just leaving the leaflets. Uh, no, I think we're going to be actually knocking on doors now. We got what about six weeks till this election? No, not even that. Five weeks till this election. It's the fifth, fifth of January. So we should. Yeah, we so should. Like we should knock away. on doors on Christmas Day. And when Hell people yeah. are like, "It's Christmas," it's like, "What's that?" Like atheist for Warnock shirt. There you go. <laughs> I would wear that. Uh, I would too, but you'd have to make that one yourself. Yeah, they're. Yeah, he's not. not. He's not making those for us. All right, who's got a fun recommendation? 
a fun one. Oh, I have no fun ones, no. God. When's the last time we had a fun recommendation? Well, you do the TV shows that are kind of fun sometimes. Eh, but you don't watch them, so you don't, you don't enjoy the fun, so... <laughs> so let me ask, let me ask while, we're, while, while we're, you know, scratching that surface, where are you at on Afterlife? Have you finished it, all 12 episodes? A, a whopping, what, six hours? I'm 42% in now, Don. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. I'm in the second season. I don't know how many seasons there are. There's two seasons. There's two seasons. Then there you go. So I'm more than 50% there. I find you a good atheist show that's funny and you you don't even watch it. So this is an atheist litmus test, Jeff. Do you not think St. Ricky Gervais is funny? Yeah. No, I love the show. I just, you know, trying to find time to to watch it is the challenge. I mean, you know, uh, you know what I would, you know what I would recommend that you put a timer on your Twitter app. Hmm. It will. <laughs> that wasn't a yes. Well, no, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, uh, you well, can on your iPhone because you don't listen to your own podcast. We talked about this last episode. <laughs> Jerry's got a one hour a day limit on his Twitter account. I mean, you do that within Twitter. It, it'll like then. Now you do it within your phone OS. Do you have an iPhone? Yeah. What you do is you send a letter to Twitter, and they'll do it for you. It takes about six weeks. <laughs> Delete just, my account. Just write a letter manually and lick a stamp. And make sure mm-hmm. your signature match it so they, so they actually do it. You can go to Western <laughs> Union, and they'll send a telegram to Twitter, and they'll do it for you. You can do that as well. Carrier pigeons are all booked up. <laughs> or you could do a Game of Thrones style right. and send a raven. There you um, go. All right, well, who's got a who's got a, a depressing recommendation? Oh, Jeff does. Absolutely. He's, what reading, book a, read? he's reading a really heavy book. Mm, yeah, okay. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. We, we had a Zoom meetup about it, well, earlier this week. I thought it was a pretty good, interesting conversation because this book is called Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America. It's by Kurt Anderson. He's the one that also wrote... Fantasyland, which also is a very interesting book. And that's the thing that kind of makes me nervous going forward is the Republican Party has for the last 50 years at least, probably longer than that, had a long game plan on how they were going to take things. Taking over the uh, judiciary was was a thing that was done back in the 80s federal just justices and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they decided long time ago that lifetime appointments were the best way they could go about ensuring their power base. And that's what McConnell's done is pack the courts. But my point is the Democrats don't seem to have the same kind of machine behind them with a long-term strategy. And we've just rolled over and played dead too many times. Anyway, interesting book. It'll It'll be depressing in several ways, but hopefully people you know people that that have the wherewithal to do something about it are going to read it and then do something about it. Well, that's everybody. And that's actually a good segue to my recommendation, which is a Chris Hayes podcast pad, podcast called The Problem with Political Hobbyism. Unfortunately, I felt like it was holding up a mirror to me and if you listen to it and you listen to podcasts like this or you have similar political beliefs, you might feel the same way about how online activism and doom scrolling mm. has turned politics into a hobby as opposed to doing the hard work of actually making meaningful change. And it's one of those, it's kind of an uncomfortable listen because you, you listen to it and it's like, oh, 
Oh, that's me. And, mm, okay, that one's me too. And oh, church Republicans are better at this because they have institutions like churches. Right. Oh, right. that kind of sucks too. Institutions. Yep. So even though it sounds it sounds awful, it's a good listen. You you just may learn something. Well, hey, I mean, hey, and, hey. and and to me that kind of piggybacks on the evil geniuses is because a lot of the stuff he talks about in there is stuff that we all lived through but didn't pay attention to. I don't remember us ever paying attention to politics like we have in the last four years. Well, probably a little bit longer now. I think we paid attention with Obama and all that because we saw all the pushback and all that. But I'm yeah. saying, so we were just kind of like sleepwalking through life. So at least the political hobbyism is a step forward from that. At least we're becoming aware of what's going on. But yeah, I think the next step is what do you do with that? So I'll have to listen to that podcast. Sounds good. I got two. One is general. One is more specific. The general one is HBO Max as a streaming service. Um, I just read today that Sony is going to every movie that Sony releases to a theater in 2021 will be released to HBO Max the same day. That'd be wow. Warner Brothers. Is it Warner Sony. Brothers? Did Warner I miss? Brothers. Yeah. Uh, my bad. My bad. Because that's all part of the same big corporate family. But that's a really good perk for, for a streaming service to have. If movies come out at the rate in 2021 that they came out in 2020, that don't mean shit. Because there hasn't been any movies, really, that have come out in, in, 20, no, in 2020. Uh, yeah, compared to you know 2019. But if 2021 is more more reflective of a normal movie year, that in itself would more than pay for the service. Yeah, they'll probably raise the rates, but you know, yeah, that's all right. HBO Max is is a good streaming. Just I got it. Yeah, Raised by Wolves, and there's another one, and I can't think of what else. There's a second one. I, it's a recommendation I've made on this show before, and, I, and it escapes me now what, what that show is. But there's another – I know there's a second show on HBO Max that was really, really good. But there's a documentary uh, series that's showing on HBO Max now called Murder on Middle Beach. It's four episodes. It, they're about an hour long each. The documentary filmmaker is making a documentary film about his mom's murder. Based on a true story? or Based on a true story. The, the fourth episode, it's got an Atlanta tie to it, also hmm. Connecticut and some other places as well. But it, the fourth episode will be released this Sunday night after this episode's released. So if, you've, if you're listening to this episode, there's a really good chance all four episodes are available to stream. So I've watched the first three, and I can't wait for Sunday night to watch the finale of it. So All right. I can, I'll, end, I'll end it on, on a high note because I have two other recommendations. Uh, over Thanksgiving, we did the seven-day Apple TV trial. And we binged watched Ted Lasso. Oh, love it. Yeah. Which awesome was awesome. Show. Yep. How is that show that good? That show should not be that good. True. But it's it kind of it's kind of hokey true. in ways. Yeah. It is, but it's better than it should be. It's based on two 30-second commercials. It is the feel-good series of the year. That that is that is a great recommendation. That that is one of my favorite shows of the year. And by the, the way, if you want to know how that sausage was made, the uh, football podcast with Grant Wall this week has Jason Sudeikis and I forget his co-star's name, Coach, on okay. the show to talk about how they went from two 30-second fish-out-of-water commercials 
to a hit TV show that's been renewed for two more seasons. So everybody said it was terrific, and it was. The other show that I binge watched, which which I thought was also excellent, was uh, For All Mankind. Have not even heard of that one. What's that about? That is an alternate history set back in the 60s where the Soviets land on the moon first. And it basically recreates the space race from a different power structure. We're playing catch up the whole time. Yes. And there are historical characters in it, but it is not actual history and great show. And what's Hmm. it on? Apple TV. Apple. Okay, I'm sorry, I what's the name Apple. of it again? For all mankind. Hmm, let's check that and, out. And the scene where the where the Soviets are landing on the moon is just tremendous, tremendous TV. Hmm. See, I'm, I'm recommending positive stuff. Not even a podcast. Look at that, turning over or, a new leaf just as the year ended. Doom and book. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No doom at all. Other than the Soviets won. Well, what's wrong with that? You're not a Marxist. <laughs> what are you, uh, some kind of you some kind of dino? Uh, I don't know if the Soviet Union was a Marxist society, but uh, that'll be discussion. on the next God. That will yeah. not be <laughs> on the next Godless Heathen podcast. On that note, for sure, <laughs> we'll see y'all in two weeks. Bye. Good night. Someone at the party and the devil is my friend